of the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg, and online at suttonandjanelle.com. Here are your hosts of the 2022 WVBA Talk Show of the Year, Jordan Nicewarner and Marcia Kavalik. It is Thursday the 16th, and you're tuned in to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm, so West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Icewinner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. You can always join the conversation. You can message us on Facebook at Panhandle News Network, or you can always text us at 304-263-4321. But Marsha, how are you doing today? I'm good. A little sore. We'll oh, get to that. Yeah, that's right. Am I my workout yesterday? Yeah, I feel like I should be playing um Oh, what's the song? Chariots of Fire? No. Uh the girl from Greece, Livia Newton John. The workout I got physical. Let's get multiple. Physical, oh. physical. <laughs> but yeah, we'll talk about that. Maybe that'll be the song we play at the end of the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's get right to our first yeah, save us from this awkwardness. Yeah, no our, segue. <laughs> our first guest, 94th District Delegate Larry Kump from uh, Falling Waters, is on the phone with us with a legislative update. Welcome in. Good morning, and for sure and for certain, may God bless you all real good. Like hearing that. Okay, so uh, tell us what's been going on. Oh, uh, we've been getting busy. Uh, we've been working till late at night on committee hearings. We're getting towards the crunch time. Next week we're going to have split sessions, so it won't be unusual to go to 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Uh, I'm in the office between 5 and 6 in the morning, so it makes for a busy day. Now we know that now we know that the down downstate that it's uh, you know a supermajority with Republicans and not a ton of Democrats down there. So how uh, how have the conversations been uh, across the aisle? Is everybody working together well, or you know one group saying, "Hey, uh, we'll get your opinion, but we're just going to do what we want to do anyways." <laughs> well, what I've been been seeing, and this is just my perspective, is that. Uh, Number one, everybody's been respectful for each other on the floor and and in private conversations, and I appreciate that. And everyone's given their chance to have their say, um, and there's some good ideas, and they don't just come from one party. So uh, even though we have a super-duper majority in the House of Delegates and the Senate, I think uh, things are going reasonably well. So what are some of the, um, the bills that you are most interested in? Well, the one I think that I'm most interested in, and most citizens in West Virginia, is tax reform. Uh, We have a tax reform proposal to give back money to the citizens that passed the House of Delegates, which is essentially, uh, in a three-year period, a 50% reduction in personal income tax. And then we have another version in the Senate, which has a lesser reduction in personal income tax and some other items on that. So right now, the Senate's passed one version, the House passed another, and the leadership of the Senate and the House are negotiating back and forth to see what we come up with. Originally, I thought I was worried, really worried, that we get nothing at all and we got this super big 
uh, budget surplus, and I was afraid we might go home with nothing. But now I'm more optimistic that we're going to come out with a package. I just don't know what it is yet. Do you have any flesh out on uh, there was a there was a bill, and I think it may have originated in the House about a an allotment to go toward economic development. It's been getting a little bit of buzz because folks are uh, concerned that instead of going to you know local uh, development, that it might be in fact heading to international international or multi-international interests. Do you know anything about that? That's the Form Energy Bill. <coughs> Excuse me, I have a little bit of a cough. And uh, that did pass through the, through the House and yesterday passed through the Senate by a <coughs> fairly sizable majority. So I'm sure it's going to the, uh, the governor for, for signature uh, probably as we speak. Uh, there's been a lot of misinformation about that. There was a lot of consternation in the House of Delegates, probably in the Senate as well. <coughs> I was one of them because it was put on a fast track. Uh, we had in the House last week two days of testimony that got kind of heated uh, about the issues. But essentially, it um, takes $115 million from the budget surplus and puts it in the uh, development pro- project in the northern panhandle. Um, I we we looked at the the proposal. One of the buzz that's going around there say, "Oh, this is terrible." Bill Gates is the investor, and is just going to bring this woke society to West Virginia. Well, as I looked into it, uh, it's an American company, um, and the investors are there's a lot of different investors. None of the investors has more than ten percent stake in the company. I don't know exactly much Bill Gates has, but it's Ten percent or less, um, and so there's a five-year plan uh, with a three-pronged phase-in for the development. Uh, West Virginia owns the property and the infrastructure developments until the plan is finally, <coughs> excuse me, approved uh, to the satisfaction of West Virginia. In the meantime. Um, Form energy pay ta- pays taxes and rent on the facilities that are being developed. So, uh, actually, I think that's going to be a good plan, and we still have <coughs> well over a billion dollars for for tax re- reform, and we also have a lot of money that's being put into local infrastructure. So, <coughs> I understand some of the concern, but there's a lot of uh, misinformation and alarm out there that. Uh, that is really bad. In the Eastern Panhandle, among all the delegates, only one delegate voted against it. All the other delegates who were present voted for it. Our guest this morning is 94th District Delegate Larry Kump of Falling Waters. And um, so we just wanted to ask you, speaking of the Eastern Panhandle, anything in particular that uh, is on your radar that benefits or affects the Eastern Panhandle? Well, if you don't mind me jumping in before you uh, answer that, Uh, one of the bills that's kind of been floating around, and I've to be honest, I haven't uh, been keeping up on where it's at now, but it has to do with uh, the trans- students transferring high school students, well, school students transferring school to school and not having to sit out. Now, I think that's going to be pretty big here in the Panhandle, well, in the state in general, but because you know how uh, important high school sports are around, but specifically here in the Panhandle. So how do you think that, and if you could kind of flesh out that bill a little bit, but how do you think that is going to affect us up here in the Panhandle? Well, uh, that's that's a bill of some interest. I don't serve on the education committee, mm-hmm. and quite frankly, I don't have enough of the details okay. on that to give a coherent response. Well, I do still think it's going to be pretty. Uh, it's going to be like the wild Impactful, west, yeah, right? wild west around West Virginia. 
So uh, anything else that impacts the eastern panhandle that you're uh, that you're keeping an eye on? One of the things that I'm concerned with, and one of the bills that I um, filed, actually it's a constitutional amendment, but this is the way we have to do it, and it affects seniors in the eastern panhandle and seniors all across the state of West Virginia. In the And I don't know why it was put in the, the Constitution, but it was put in the Constitution back in the 80s, I think, that seniors get a $20,000 per year homestead exemption on their property tax. Well, that was in the 80s, and things haven't changed since then, and there's been some consternation since then that, you know, inflation has eaten that up pretty pretty well. So my amendment to the Constitution, if passed, and it takes a two-thirds vote by the House and the Senate, and then it goes to the voters for a referendum, if passed, instead of saying a $20,000 credit in the, for seniors in the Constitution, it says not less than 20000 which then gives the legislature the authority to, to increase that amount, because until that's changed, the legislature can't change that. And so that would be a big help to people, uh, seniors who are on fixed income. Is that a heavy lift, though? Because it seems as though referendums don't get on the ballot easily. Uh, well, constitutional uh, amendments, as I said, takes a two-thirds vote of the legislature. And if we can get it into committee and out of committee, I don't see any problem at all of getting the two-thirds vote in both both houses. It's just a matter of getting it through the committee process and, uh, and then getting it up for a vote. So uh, I, I think it's a – like any bill – we have over 2,000 bills a year that are filed, and less than two or 300 actually make it into law. So the big hurdle in any bill, any consideration, is getting a committee hearing and getting through a committee. And we're speaking with 94th District Delegate Larry Kump uh, from Falling Waters. And unfortunately, we got to let you go to get to our first break. But thank you for taking a little time out of your busy schedule to talk with us on Panhandle Live. Anytime. Take care. And 94th District Delegate Larry Kump joining us on the line. And uh, we'll step aside briefly and we'll come back and we'll start talking about the Eastern Panhandle Home Builders Association Home Show, Marsha, because believe it or not, that is right around the corner. So that'll be after the break on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. From Pawpaw to Harper's Ferry, from Martinsburg to Winchester, it's Panhandle Live with hosts Jordan Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Warner. Alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. we got a full house, Marsha. We sure do, because coming up is a premiere event in Martinsburg. It is the home show, which will be at the Roundhouse in downtown, March 25th and 26th. And joining us, the usual suspects from the Home Builders Association and the Home Show Committee, uh, Kevin Knowles, Jennifer Church, and Colin Hitt. Welcome in. Good morning. Thanks for having us. All right. So you've sold out, Colin? Yeah. I mean, not sold out like the bad, like you've sold out, but you sold out boots, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) We sold, uh, we have now sold out all of our interior booths. Uh, so that's about 110 booths that have been sold. So that's all good. Um, but uh, with that in mind, we we do we still do have some spaces available, uh, outdoor spaces. Those are 10 by 10 um, areas. We also have uh, some tables available. So if someone didn't necessarily need the booth, but they wanted to be at a table, they could set that up. Um, and uh, then we also do have our big silent auction that we're still uh, preparing for. So what 
kind of people, what kind of businesses or, you know, organizations, what have you, are you looking for to fill those booths or those tables? Or have already signed up to do yeah. that? Sure. So at the home show, you'll see anything from builders and contractors to uh, um, folks that specialize in kitchen and bathrooms, um, landscapers. Um, uh, Jen, help me out here. What else uh, do we usually see? Banks um, and lenders. Um, we have uh, plumbers, electricians. Um, we Re- also have HVAC companies. Real estate agents, insurance companies. Yeah, you, any, anything that would have to do with building a home, uh, any aspect of it, any, even to remodel a home or to do add-ons or anything like that. You don't have to build a home if you're looking to do a, a remodeling job. I don't. I know for myself, I get on there and I get about ten different projects in my head, and then my <laughs> right. wife nudges me and said, "Hey, let's go do this this year." So, you know, it, it's a great opportunity to come down to the the, the roundhouse, which is our second year, and we. We've signed a five-year contract with them, and we've talked to the the guy upstairs, and we asked for much better weather than last year, and we're hoping that <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a, a lot better. And, <laughs> uh, and and the way it's looking right now, things are looking very very positive in that direction. So we're excited. We've also added some opportunities for sponsorship to put signs on the fence. Those fences are long, so everybody mm-hmm. that comes riding in and walk walking down that lane, there you, there's going to be a lane full of signage of, of different sponsorships. So those are those are wide open for anybody that wants to to give a call and and and, and ask us what what they need to do to get a sign up. Well, it seems like you found a uh, a nice home with the roundhouse downtown. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, last year worked out uh, space wise. Um, you know, we have plenty of. Um, uh, square footage under mm-hmm. one roof uh, or under two roofs for that matter and it also affords us the opportunity to hopefully expand that home show in the future so at this point we're only utilizing two of the three buildings in that complex we're hoping maybe for 2024 that we'll be able to use that third building um, there's a lot of conversations in the works and things are are uh, staged to go that direction but at, at this point we're not able to use it so hopefully for 2024 that'll be That'll be a, a real thing. One of the things I like about the home show, and as uh, Kevin kind of alluded, you you can take your your uh, significant other there and get ideas. But also, it's you know all these contractors and people who have these innovative ideas are available, and you can say, "Hey, I've got this problem, this leaky whatever in the basement, or drain problems, or whatever," and they can say, "Oh, this is a thing that we do," and you can. You can you can actually make contract appointments there on the on the spot and also talk about financing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great because it's it's definitely a uh, less intimidating atmosphere in a sense that you know if someone's thinking about a project or maybe they hadn't thought about a project yet that they can kind of do um, you know hit several of those items all in one stop and uh, you know with that being said they. Um, the contractors themselves, like you said, they, they have great ideas and uh, people can talk to them on a more intimate level mm-hmm. and kind of get to know them, feel out personalities and things like that, that maybe that you can't do through setting up a uh, an appointment through an email or a text message or a phone call. Now, you talked about sponsorships there a little bit, too. What are the uh, sponsorship ranges, especially for those um, those posters and uh, you know banners on the fences and fencing and whatnot? Sure. So uh, we pretty much have a sponsorship level for anybody's budget. Um, at this point, most of our top tier sponsorships are sold out. We still uh, do have silver level sponsors, um, and we also do have a promotional sponsor that we're offering, and those are around $1,000 a piece. Um, but all the way down to uh, the fence banners are 250 
200, sorry, 200. Um, we also do have... We'll take two, right. yeah, two hundred for those, uh, and you provide your own banner. Um, so we're just allowing you to put mm-hmm. put it up. Actually, we'll put it up for you. Um, we have window sign sponsorships, uh, so there's a bunch of windows on the interior of the roundhouse. Um, so we'll have uh, you know signs in there with advertisements, um, and then you know something as as low as down to the silent auction item. So if someone, if a business wants to donate a silent auction item, we ask that it's a you know at least a value of like fifty dollars. But that could be sports tickets. It could be a gift basket. It could be a, a ring doorbell, an Arlo camera, you know, something like that, something that relates to the home or something that doesn't necessarily relate to the home. Um, but we're actively taking those uh, silent auction donations. And then we also would then um, post, you know, what businesses did donate mm-hmm. to us. That's awesome. So, um, Mira, I know you, you looked like you wanted to add something there. Yeah, I'm, I'm here as the executive officer, not okay, here today, but that's <laughs> I get that all the time. All right, Executive uh, Officer yeah. Kevin Knowles. But I, I could tell I could tell you that um, the the opportunity for the people that come in that that man the booths, that sponsorship and all that. This is the time of year that they set up for the rest of their year. Uh, anybody that we've talked to, they've been able to outline their business from this point on till the end of the year. So that that's huge for not only the people that are participating and sponsoring the the event, but also for individuals to get booked. A little bit quicker and faster if they have a home project to do. Well, I will have you put your mayor hat on for just one second oh, because okay. you have to you have to enjoy having this big of an event right in downtown Martinsburg. Well, I got to tell you, this is the biggest event that uh, that the Roundhouse puts on, uh, and we loved it so much that uh, as, on the home builder side that we signed a five year contract with them. Uh, as the as the mayor, I, I couldn't ask for anything better because uh, last year every parking lot was full uh, in a four to five block radius. Of the roundhouse, we had thirty-five to four thousand people, thirty-five hundred to four thousand people hmm. come through. So not only were they coming through, they're coming through our, our train station to come over to be able to see the the beautiful train station that we have, which we're going to be doing some more renovations there also. So um, just to remind the listeners, this is a free event. It is, yes, it is a free event, and it's uh, Saturday, March twenty-fifth, Sunday, March twenty-sixth. And the show hours that Saturday are 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then on Sunday, it's 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, should also mention that if pe- <clears throat> excuse me, if people want more information about the home show, they can visit our Facebook page. It's Eastern Panhandle Home Show. Um, they can also visit EPHomeShow.com, which is our website. Um, or if they had a more specific question, they can contact the Eastern Panhandle Home Builders Office at 304-267-4710. It's a fun way to spend it. Okay, and she'll have all the answers. She has all the answers. Jennifer, is there anything you want to mention? Um, yes, we need volunteers. If anybody would like to come out and be a part of it, um, all of the hustle and bustle and fun of the putting on a home show, uh, we have lots of different areas where we can use volunteers from uh, heavy lifting to standing around monitoring the silent auction, and we never turn a volunteer away. Perfect. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Again, fingers crossed that uh, we get a little bit better. Weather wasn't, I mean, no, too it bad. Wasn't it bad. was just cold and windy, and yeah. nobody really wants that when you're into March and things like that. So hopefully, fingers crossed, the weather's great, but it's going to be another great event with the Home Builders, excuse me, the Eastern Panhandle Home Builders Association Home Show. Uh, and thank you all for coming in to talk about it this morning. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. We Absolutely. appreciate you guys. And stick around for more after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Live and local, it's Panhandle Live with hosts Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik.
Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm, Swing West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. And Marsha, the guests keep on coming today. I love it. And I actually am looking for after our like pre-show chat, I think this one's going to be good. Why is that? I don't know. Just it's a feeling. Yeah, put the pressure on early, Marcia. Okay, so uh, WVU Hospitals at East, Teresa McCabe is here with her special guest. Our new chief medical officer for WVU Medicine East, that's Berkeley and Jefferson Medical Center, and he is also the dean <laughs> of the Health Sciences Center Eastern Campus here, Dr. Richard Tom. He goes by Tom Thomas. Very nice. So Welcome I'm, in. See how I let her do that? So she wouldn't have Very to just nice. correct me. <laughs> Welcome nice. in. No, so, thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Marcia and Jordan. We were uh, we were chatting a little bit before the show. Uh, you're not from around here, but you have a WVU connection. Well, I'm a West Virginia guy, you know, originally. And uh, all the places I lived uh, while in service or around the world, I mean, I, this was always home. So it's good to be back. Very nice. Yeah. All right. We'll talk a little bit about your background and uh, what brought you here. Well, you know, like I said, I'm from West Virginia. I went to high school and I went to uh, WVU for undergrad and I went to dental school there. And then uh, after a little stint in the Army, I went back to medical school. Thank you for there. your service. No, thank you. And then I uh, uh, was in the Army. I retired in 2016, was the president of a university at the Uniformed Services University down in Bethesda. And I finished that term. And, um, you know, the opportunity presented itself thanks to really, I, you know, uh, credit to uh, President Gee and to uh, Albert uh, Wright and Clay Marsh and the team from Morgantown, uh, who I think a lot of, uh, this opportunity was presented, and it's just too good to pass up because it was an opportunity for me to come back to West Virginia, which was exciting to me, so I'm happy to be here. It's it's um, a huge campus. I mean, it, it's an important part of the community. Was that a little intimidating or daunting? No, it's good. It's, you know, and, and by scale, it's it's uh, not uh, by scale. It doesn't seem that large until you realize what the capabilities are, and uh, they have grown so much here. And uh, they're really, and that's the goal. Their mission is to kind of you know expand so they can provide more uh, high priority and you know, high capable uh, medical care to the folks in this region. Is that but, a uh, challenge too? I mean, because we our population is yeah, growing, and uh, sometimes it feels like there's there aren't enough services to go around. No, I agree with you, Marsha. I mean, we're kind of like, you know, the furnace repairman on Christmas Eve, you know, 500 calls coming in, and uh, we don't have the capabilities yet, but we're, we're focused on building that. And so there's a lot of folks that are coming to this area for sure. So our mission is to actually to build more capability here and provide the people of West Virginia and the region, really, the Peninsula region, with, um, with what they need. And so that's the excitement of it. So it's a challenge, sure, but it's also a great opportunity. Now, now are there any specific, uh, you know, goals in mind? You say bringing, you know, more opportunities and more, you know, services to the people here, but are there specific, uh, you know, situations that you're looking forward to the most to getting at? Yeah, well, you know, we always need providers, but it's not just the docs and the nurses. We need technicians. We need support personnel. So those opportunities that present themselves, if you're a young man or woman in this area, you know, we have jobs that we're developing for you. And, you know, there are jobs right here close to home. And so what we want to do is we want to build those capabilities for the folks here because this is a growth region for sure. But more important than that mission, I think, is really the vision that's been laid out, the vision of how we can become, you know, world-class uh, providers to our folks here. I mean, they deserve that. 
And that was really, to me, one of the attractions of, of returning to West Virginia. When you talk about recruiting, you know, during the pandemic, so many challenges. We, we've had uh, Dr. Ryan McCarthy's podcasts on Healthcare is Human that kind of peeled the layers back and talked about mm-hmm. some of the challenges that the people who are on the front lines were facing. Other conflicts came up because some folks really didn't uh, want to, to do the vaccine. Um, so that became a problem with recruiting as sure. well. Moving forward, how do you go beyond what the pandemic did? Well, you know, this is not going to be our last pandemic. And uh, I was tagged by the Secretary of Defense to lead the um, after-action review for the pandemic response by the military, by the DOD, Department of Defense. And um, looking at that, I've done a crosswalk with what you've done here. It's remarkable, actually, how well you've done here. And what happened was people kind of got together and they, you know, they they combined efforts to to serve the folks. They did a really great job here. Um, What we need to do now is take those lessons learned and rather than just making them observations, but convert those into action plans for the future because something else will come up. We know that. And it's just, it really is a lot of kudos to the folks here because they did a lot. And, you know, a lot of that is, goes unrecognized by, mm-hmm. by people. I've only been here about a month, but as I told you know, some of the folks I've run into, you know, hey, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. And, you know, they're still driving on. These are kind of unheralded heroes day to day. The technicians, the staff, the nursing staff, the doctors who really who really did went above and beyond to take care of the folks here. And uh, so I think that that's something that uh, is also kind of, um, it, it's ingrained in the folks in this area, I think, in West Virginians. So WVU, you have an affiliation with WVU, obviously, as an alum, um, but it's a, a level one research university. How do you, you how, do, how can you parlay that um, into moving forward? You know, what we've learned from the pandemic, especially in this cluster. Sure. I think that, you know, my military background, the military is just a microcosm of society. I've had the opportunity over the years to work with some of the folks in West Virginia University in research efforts, whether it be traumatic brain injury, which I led that task force, uh, pain management, and some other things. So they're doing some really cutting-edge things in WVU uh, because of that. And so that will continue. They want to expand those capabilities here. You'll see the tentacles from Morgantown stretched out here. And just a plug for, the, you know, the, the – um, the CEO of our campus here in the East is is uh, Dean Thomas. No relation that I know of. And um, we have you know he Dean just, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's a it gets confusing, confusing Tom, right? Thomas. It does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> great guy, and he's done a, a tremendous job. He came just at the beginning of the uh, of the uh, COVID uh, pandemic, and has really, I think, you know, built a, a good team and still got that momentum going. So that was another thing that attracted me when I saw what they were building here in the East. Um, you know, Morgantown's great, but uh, this is really where the challenge is. You already mentioned, Marcia, that this is where the growth is. And so the opportunities are here, and I think the demand signal is higher here in the East, for sure. And things like certificates of need, those things take time. Um, you know, if, if we wanted to have a new campus, a new building tomorrow, that would, you know, you, don't, you don't have any news to break on that <clears throat> front. You, well, Teresa's shaking her head. <laughs> well, you look at those things, and, and uh, you know, if you go through all the, the – uh, the gymnastics that they have for the bureaucracies that, you know, that tend to build in these things. You can lose your will to live, you know. <laughs> Great. Uh, but, uh, you know, as I peel it back a little bit, it really is about requirements, identifying requirements and building, you know, building against those requirements. What do we really need here in the East? And there are some, you know, some really uh, huge opportunities for investment here in the East. We were going to do that. As a matter of fact, uh, coming up real soon, the spring in April, we'll be briefing the folks in Morgantown about some, uh, some building opportunities that we need. We actually require them here. Uh, in the, you know, the panhandle. 
Hey, what are some of the ways that, uh, you know, the Morgantown campus and things, you said the tentacles will start to reach out this way. What are some of the benefits that, you know, that would bring out here to the Panhandle? Well, you've got a great nucleus of, of medical expertise in Morgantown. And so this uh, tie back to them has really opened the highway for ingenuity, uh, for resources for sure. For example, we have the Rockefeller Neuro, uh, Neuro Institute that's here. We also have the uh, Heart and Vascular Institute. Those are direct connections back to Morgantown. And so I can, at any time, I can reach back to Morgantown for some world-class connection with folks. And what I plan to do is bring some more of those folks out this way. And they're already excited about that, about those opportunities. I wanted to bring Teresa McCabe into the conversation. Um, I know you had a, an, an announcement about masking and uh, just general update about ER and all that. Because right. I always ask you. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, as of Monday, this past Monday, we no longer require masks in the hospital as far as for visitors, um, and they're not required in our physician clinics nor in any of our outpatient services. So uh, we wanted to make the community aware um, that because that's that's been an issue mm-hmm. since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So maybe it, it gives us more you know back to normal kind of um, attitudes. But yes, so. That announcement um, was made last Friday by our by Albert Wright, our system president, and went into effect on Monday. So, and uh, just a quick, you know, every now and then we see these messages that, um, you know, maybe not being diverted, but uh, the ER is pretty crowded. Yeah, well, it was on diversion last night. Yes, uh-huh. wow. yes. So we still see um, our ED visits um, climbing. Um, you know, a lot of folks um, coming in for. Serious, you know, not well, of course, we get a lot of trauma because mm-hmm. of 81. Right. But as we've talked about before, the um, the uh, strokes and heart attacks and so and those forth. are definitely so you need to go they to the are, emergency they room. Are. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's not like people are coming to the emergency room for non emergent right. needs. Um, They're true emergencies. Now, we talk to the, you know, the troopers and the sheriffs and the police chiefs all the time. And they, you know, we ask them how the kind of trends of crime, I guess, if you will, it always gets a little bit worse in the summer, a little bit less in the winter. Now, of course, a hospital, you're going to be busy 24, seven, 365, but do you see more in the winter time than you do in the summertime more, you know, people coming into the emergency rooms and things, uh, the like, like that, or is it during the winter when people, you know, get a little sick more often is when you have a lot more people in the emergency rooms. You know, Jordan, you always have a, a high demand signal, but it's different, different reasons that people come in. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly at this time of year, you have more respiratory illnesses. You know, flu is still with us. And, you know, some of the highest times for flu uh, visits is really in the March, towards March and that, mm-hmm. that type of thing. <clears throat> so we'll see those kind of things. In the summer, you may have some more accidents. You may have some more people out doing some things, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the lake, uh, sporting events, that type of stuff. So they're always busy. Uh, but it just depends on the time of year, what type of injuries or illnesses that you'll see most right. commonly. Right. Well, before we let you all go, anything else you want uh, the folks to know about, about what's going on at WVU we Medicine? Yeah. Well, Dr. <laughs> Thomas mentioned the Heart and Vascular Institute here. We're going to have a new home for that. And um, we hope to be able to have our ribbon cutting open house show that a new facility off um, in early May. So it's we're always fun when you guys that. when you guys invite us to go look at the new tech, too. Oh, that's yeah. always, that's so always cool. super cool. Even though Marsha got to do it by herself the last okay. time. But we won't talk about that. We won't talk about that day. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you all for coming in, stopping by. Welcome to the Panhandle. Thanks so much. Uh, so Marsha and Jordan, really good to meet you and, and go Mountaineers. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, do you keep up with Mountaineer athletics at all? You have to, right? Oh, well, how are you feeling? 
uh, you know, it's a mixed, mixed bag right now, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? But there's always hope. There's always next season. So Could That's we not right. have left this on a... No, well, hey, I wasn't we going to bring it up. on a positive note? I wasn't going to bring it up, but when did. the door is cracked, you got to you you go through it. You know, <laughs> you go through it. But thank you all again for stopping by. And if you missed any of the conversation, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. But we'll step aside one final time and come back to wrap things up on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland. You can visit their historic location at downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. i got to address something. What's that? I got, a, I got a text from my husband this morning asking if we'd been covering the derailment yes. in, in Palestine, Ohio. We have. Yes, yes we have. I'm like... Why haven't you been listening? And then he then he said, have you covered, and this one, no. Have you covered the lasers over Hawaii? Apparently. I thought there were lasers over over Alaska. I Okay. See, I'm learning something now. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, another tweet said. <laughs> other, news China is shining green. Uh, and I, I'm just reading this. Yeah. I'm not verifying any. Uh, saying, allegedly, China is shining green lasers down to Earth from space from their satellites near Hawaii. Yeah, so hmm. how do you capture that? You can't hmm. capture that. Like, yeah, you know. can't shoot that down. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, you know, lasers. I don't know. I, so thought, I, don't uh, know. I thought there were lasers or something going through the sky last night. I had this weird reflection off my uh, ceiling in my uh, bedroom last night. Kind of find out somebody was just driving the wrong way down the street. Oh, so, go figure. Thinking LED yeah. lights. Go figure. I, was, I freaked out. I was looking up in the sky, and then I looked down. I was like, oh, no, they're just going the wrong way. Just going so, the wrong way. I mean, to what end are they though? Like, what are the laser pulses? Um, says NASA. I don't, know. Sec- I don't know about that one. Yeah, I, don't I know. did hear about Alaska, and then of course you had the stuff over was it like Huron or whichever one it right, was, right? Like where Michigan. the balloon was was shot down. Yeah, and then there was the unidentified flying object. But yeah, the uh, the situation in uh, Ohio is just continuing to get crazier and crazier. It still hasn't necessarily, at least as far as we've heard or been reported hasn't affected West Virginians in that Ohio Valley or Ohio River Valley region uh, yet although they are keeping an eye on it there's a, a great story over on wvmetronews.com uh, about that and um, that's scary it's scary it shouldn't affect us water table wise over here but um, with the Gulf Stream or with Gulf Stream the jet stream and things like that um, you know our air quality could potentially be affected but as of right now we are out of that kind of risk zone so interestingly I was listening to one of the um, casts from Fox News and they were saying that um, there was a meeting last night in Palestine and Norfolk Southern was supposed to send representatives and they didn't come because they they feared for the safety yeah. of the Norfolk Southern folks. And then, of course, the the person, the reporter on the ground was interviewing citizens. And they said, well, what about our, our health? What about yeah. our safety? You know, we have we have questions. So um, I think that this is an interesting thing to look at, not only if, you know, the plume might be making its way over here, but also anyone who has trains going through their neighborhood. This We, we don't have any, 
we don't have any control over what well, rolls through the neighborhoods. Well, think about the train that comes by. Now, I don't think it comes real fairly regularly. I mean, I don't know what the, the schedule is, but it goes uh, right past the rescue mission. I mean, right through town. It goes mm-hmm. right past the, you know, uh, interwoven plant. Right, right, and if right. you think if that thing, you know, derailed, derailed anywhere right there, I mean, it's on a hill. If whatever's on it is going down into downtown Martinsburg and, and then mm-hmm. uh, eventually into the Opekin and then that goes wherever. Yeah, I think the uh, watershed folks from Chesapeake Bay would be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you guys got going on there? But uh, we are keeping an eye on things over in Ohio and how that will uh, eventually, possibly, maybe affect uh, us here in the state of West Virginia. But uh, we didn't have a chance to talk about this during uh, Panhandle Sports Live, but we have a big-time basketball game, girls' basketball game, on the airwaves tonight. The Spring Mills Cardinals, the girls' team, going for their first, far, I'm pretty sure, the first undefeated season in school history. And uh, we'll bring Luke Wiggs in, and we're going to have it on the air. They're taking on Hedgesville. It's been a bit of a down season for Hedgesville, so a lot of people think that Spring Mills can pull this off. Uh, We'll have it tonight at 7.30. The Cardinals and uh, what Coach Gosk has been able to do with this team that's incredibly young. All their best players are freshmen and sophomores. They've got a good core of upperclassmen, but, you know, their top scorers are all freshmen and sophomores, so they have a chance to go 18-0. A lot of people think they've been disrespected by, you know, rankings across the state because they're still only the number four team in class quality. How does that happen? How does that work? They're the only undefeated team less than the state, regardless of class. All the girls' basketball teams are the only team. In fact, I think they're the only undefeated team, period. I don't think there's an undefeated team in boys' hoops either. Who do we need to complain to? (laughs) Everyone. The Associated Press of West Virginia Sports. Riders. There you go. Mm. There you go. But yeah, that'll be on the air tonight. And this Spring Mills team, we had them on a few days ago uh, on the road at Jefferson. That was the first time we've gotten to see them for an extended period of time. And my goodness, they are they're they're a pretty good team. It blows my mind that they're not number one in the state. And I mean, does an undefeated record necessarily mean you should be the number one? Do you think? Because well, there think, are teams. What's I mean, their you strength see, of schedule? You though? see in college sports all the time. Yeah, strength of schedule, things like that. And you have two lost teams, three lost teams that are higher than undefeated teams. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think it comes down to regions because the teams that are ranked higher than them, you look at Wheeling Park and Morgantown, uh, they play in a much tougher area of the state uh, traditionally for girls' hoops. And then you have GW who comes through those Charleston schools uh, that's also plays in a really tough region. I think the argument is that the other teams in the EPAC are all below 500. Uh, the other five teams in the Panhandle have sub 500 records, but it's because they're all playing each other. You know, they're mm-hmm. playing each other to, in that tough competition. And Spring Mills has played some out of conference tough teams, so they have a chance to prove it. I mean, the thing about it is, is they can go down to Charleston and write a lot of wrongs. You know, there's no home court advantage down yeah. there. It's harder if you're a four seed as opposed to a one or a two, but you're going to have to play the majority of those teams anyways. So we're expecting them to make a run through the section of the regional, get down to Charleston, and that's when they'll have an opportunity to prove it. But they have a chance to get their flowers in the regular season tonight uh, and get that 18th win and uh, go 18-0. and We'll have it right here. And uh, fingers crossed we'll make sure we can catch up live on the air tonight with Coach Gosk to kind of unpack what was a crazy so season. So where is the physical game tonight? It's at Spring Mills. It's at Spring Mills. Okay. Yes. So, uh, you know, if you if you want to, come by, say hello to the guys. And uh, if you can't make it out to the game, listen for the broadcast. That's right. We'll have it right here on WPM and WCST. Marsh, you can be tuned in. Well, I usually do. I usually I can't always listen to the whole game, but I listen to part. I was listening to um, part of your broadcast from Shepherd last night. That was there really you go. Cool. Oh, that was a tough one. Man. You know what? I but I didn't. I didn't listen to the tough part. I listened to the you know the. That must the be first nice. Part. <laughs> I've, thought, I've been thinking about that dang game the, all day, all last night. 
I woke up, first thing I thought about, uh, first, literally first thing I kind of <laughs> said out loud today was, man, I can't believe they lost that game last night. <laughs> but, yeah, it was a good one. And, of course, we'll have girls basketball right here. Hopefully uh, you can get out of the gym in time, Marsha, before, oh, yeah. before the game. You know what? I'm not as sore as I thought I would be. Good. But, That's a good um, thing. Shout That's out the to son of a good trainer. Yeah. Gosh, she's awesome. I really – and the best part, she has two big dogs, like – She's got a golden retriever and a lab in the, in the studio. How soon before she gets a Panhandle Live segment? I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you. She's probably going to get a shirt. Uh, she's oh, definitely going to get a shirt. She's going to get probably involved in that. The dogs yeah. are going to get a shirt. Say, we know you, Marsha. There's definitely. You, I think I you probably already took a, taken a box. I now, Luke. <laughs> hey, my sister made uh, station shirts for my dog back uh, a couple years ago. I can it's so get some cute. station shirts going for the Absolutely. dogs. Absolutely. They're adorable, too. So. But good. I'm glad you're not. Uh, too sore today no, after your first workout session with them. I I think I'll I think I'll be back. Well, good, good. I need. I, yeah, I might be joining you here at some point. We'll see. Especially now that uh, basketball season is winding down. Hard to believe that all total with college and high school. I guess without any long postseason runs or anything. What under eight games left? Yeah, total. And I'll uh, I'll do what I can to add up all the games that we've done. When the final <laughs> one's done, we'll see how many basketball games we did from December through uh, February here Ooh. in March. It goes into March. Well, the real um, stat would be miles covered Oof. this year because Oof. I mean, just back and forth to the Panhandle. They're not long trips, but they add up. And then of course you throw in a 250 mile trip for Shepard <laughs> every once or every week. It seems basically going to New York. Uh, it's what we'll be doing on Saturday against East Strasburg, but. Thankfully, that for me, at least, that's the last long road trip because you and Parker will be taking over for Kutztown, the last game of the season. But me and Marsha will be at the International Water Tasting in Berkeley Springs. Another competition. I know. (laughs) Competition-filled world. But uh, before we get off the air here for Hoppy, Marsha, any final thoughts for the day? Um, No, I have no idea what Hoppy's got on. He sent us all a blank um, show prep. Uh-oh. email this morning he's going off script so oh, so man. brad Rogue goes hoppy? brad goes ooh, that blank though and i i shot back the day is full of potential <laughs> he appreciated my optimism let's just put it that way well if you missed any of the show today you can listen back to it a little bit later on we got things started with 94th district delegate larry kump we had the eastern panhandle home builders association in to talk about the home builders uh, home show coming up march 25th and 26th and of course we had Teresa mccabe and dr richard thomas dean of wvu health science center eastern campus and chief medical officer Oof, on to talk about all things going on over there but if you missed any of it listen back to it a little bit later on for marcia i'm jordan hoppy's next have a good one talk to you tomorrow Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.